morning. Uh, my, my name's Doug. We are in this series called Talking to Myself, and I spent the last, this last month trying to convince you that you talk to yourself. You do it more than you know, and it matters more than you think. We all have this inner voice that's constantly telling us something. And the question we've been asking is, could a key to, to a new year and a new you be how you talk to you? It's not a series about the power of positive thinking. It's really a series about the importance of feeding your life truth and living out that truth. And the challenge we've been giving you is make sure you're filling your life with truth or your self-talk will tell you lies. And of all the voices in your life, the one you should usually be most skeptical of is your own. Fact check yourself. Make sure you're speaking yourself in a truthful way. And last week I told a story about um, a friend of mine who has done that in my life. And I'll just, if, if you were here, just, you can hear it again. If you weren't here, let me just tell you about my friend Paul. Uh, last year, uh, I was kind of, I, to use the phrase, I was in the weeds. Um, I spent a lot of time there. I get frequent flyer miles in the weeds. And, and um, my, I was in a season of life like that. And uh, my friend Paul lives in Toronto. We used to be on staff together with Hockey Ministries International. He lived in Toronto. I live in Texas. And I was just, I thought I could use some time being around him. I hadn't been around him in six years, and, but we talked all the time. But I said, hey, Paul, I'm kind of in a tough season of life, and I've got to go to Florida for this conference. I'm going to get, what if I went down a few days early and you came down and joined me? Meet up in Tampa. You're in Canada. You probably could use some palm trees during the winter. Why don't you come down? And so he said, sure. So we met up in, in, in Tampa Bay, a little part of Tampa called Ybor City. It's historical Tampa. It was a really nice setting. We're sitting down on this street, sitting on a table, you know, drinking coffee together. And he says, all right, tell me what's going on. And I just kind of poured out my life. And now Paul is one of these guys in my life that I can be completely authentic. And no matter what I tell him, the good, the bad, or the ugly, like I know that he's, he's on my side, that he believes in me and he's for me. And I can be honest and authentic with, even with some of the darkest stuff in my life. And, and I just poured it all out there with no filter. And he just listened and listened and listened. And when I got to the end, I said, well, what do you think? And he sat there for a while. And then he said, Doug, I was, I was ready. I was, I was like, yeah, give it to me. And he said, you've probably sat across the table of people that have shared similar things like that in their life, of what they're going through. It's like, yeah. Then he said, what would you tell you if you were sitting across the table from you? And my first reaction is like, what a cop out. <laughs> I don't want to know what I would say. I want to know what you would say. But what it is, and Paul, who knows me really well, was aware that at that moment, I didn't need new information. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you're in a new season of life, and you need new information. It can be a game changer. But often, we know what we need to do. We just don't do it. And we think that knowing the information will change the outcome, but actually, it's the application. And last week, we talked about the importance of doing what you know to do. And I'm so thankful that I have a friend like Paul, that's willing to speak into my life that way, even though we live uh, a long way away. We don't see each other that often, but we always pick up right where we left off. And so today I want to pick up on that story. Like that question might be helpful for you. What would you tell you if you were sitting across the table from you? Because your inner voice sometimes doesn't need new information. It needs to do something. But the other thing that, about that story that I think could be helpful for you is you've got to invite voices into your life. Your inner voice is going to be shaped by the voices in your life and the voices that you listen to. 
And the, the older you get in life, the further you go, you go along, the more control you have of who's around you. But you always have some level of control of inviting voices in. And I want to challenge you today to think about who's sitting across the table from you. Who's speaking truth into your life? Because sometimes we need an outside perspective, an outside voice, because it ends up shaping our inner voice. And let me give you a story from the Old Testament that kind of illustrates the importance of that. Um, it's found in 1 Kings chapter 12, and uh, there had been several kings. There was King Saul of Israel, and then there was King David, David and Goliath. We know a lot about David's life. If you haven't ever read the Bible, you may not know a lot about him, but if you have, you've probably heard David's name. He wrote Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. It's David and Goliath, like, he's a really famous character. A lot of the Psalms were written by him. And then his son was Solomon. And when Solomon got, Solomon got to be the leader, he asked God, and God said, what do you want me to do for you, Solomon? He said, I want to be wise because I'm a leader, and I want to be a good leader. And God said, because you asked for wisdom and not for riches or power, I'm going to give you all of it. And he made Solomon the wisest person that ever lived. Now, just because you have the wisdom doesn't mean you're going to use the wisdom. And Solomon is this great example of, if he were sitting across the table from himself, he would tell himself all the right things, but he wouldn't do all of it. He had a hard time with application. Because of that, he often found himself going in the ditch. Well, his son Rehoboam was the next king of Israel. And he was the last time there was a king of Israel when it was united. Because from that point on, the kingdom split. And it split because of how Rehoboam handled something, and God actually used that for his good purposes. But Rehoboam does some good things and doesn't do some good things with the people that were around the table in his life. And this is his story. In 1 Kings chapter 12, it says this, Jeroboam, who is just another player in this, and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam, the king, the new king, and said to him, your father put a heavy yoke on us. Now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Seems like a reasonable request. If you would just lighten our load, we'll serve you more and faithfully. Reasonable request. And he does something that's a great thing if you're ever making decisions. Rehoboam answered, go away for three days, then come back to me. So the people went away. If you're ever making a decision and you can at any, any way find a way to buy yourself some time, your likelihood of making a wiser decision increases. Impulse decisions are not always the best decisions. When we follow our heart, you're not always following wisdom. You're not always following Jesus. Sometimes you got to pause and take that time. He does something good there. He pauses. Give me three days. And they say, okay. He does something else good. Verse 6, Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. Now think about this. His father Solomon was really, really wise. Wisest person ever. So if his, he's got advisors, they are probably pretty wise too. And if nothing else, probably the wisdom of Solomon rubbed off on them. They have some key insight. So asking for others' insight is a helpful thing. Always inviting someone else to the table is a good idea. If it's the right people. These seem like the right people. So he answers, they answer this way. They replied, if today you will be a servant of these people and serve them, give them a favorable answer, they'll always be your servants. He hears it and goes, I think they're onto something. Like, go to the suggestion box here, Rehoboam. Like, don't hammer us and we'll serve you. Don't be a jerk. We'll be loyal. It seems like a good thing. You should do that. 
Well, he does something else. And this is on the fence. It could be good or it could, could be bad. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him. And he consulted others. Sometimes the advice you're given isn't good advice. You shouldn't always just take what others say and do it. You should weigh it. In this case, he probably should have gone with that advice because he listened to, rather than the older, wiser people that had been in this role before, he went to his high school buddies who were just kind of sucking up to him because he's now in power. They're like, hey, let's take this power for a test drive. It's going to be nice to have some power. Let's yield it. Let's do something. He asked them, what's your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the loke, the, loke, the yoke your father put upon us? He makes a big mistake here. Never do this in your life. He's the leader of not just his life, but the kingdom. But he says, how should we do it? Now, you want to hear that from a leader? You want to hear leaders are we, not me focused? This isn't a good example of that. He, he gives up his position of leadership. And he says, why don't you guys drive for a while? These aren't the people you want driving your car. These aren't the people you want driving the kingdom. But we do this a lot. We look to others and say, what do you think I should do? Why don't you just drive my life for a while? We're not aware we're doing it. It's a very subtle thing. But suddenly other people get more influence over us. And we just say, why don't you take control for a while? He makes a big mistake here. And they give some bad advice. The young man who had grown up with him, replied, these people have said to you, your father's put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. You tell, now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. He's like flexing. My father laid on a, you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Well, that sounds impressive, but what dumb advice. Yeah, let's power up on the people. There's more of them than there is us. What could go wrong? But they love power. They love power. They didn't love wisdom. <laughs> so it's easy to look at this and go, well, it's obvious what you should do. And the key where he went wrong is who he chose to listen to. Well, before we're too hard on Rehoboam, who do you listen to? Who's the person or the people or the group that if they approve of something, it's good, and if they disapprove, it's bad? Like, who do you listen to? If you make a decision, who do you look at and say, what do you think about that? Who do you look for to for approval to help you think that you're okay or you're good enough or whatever it is? Like, who do you listen to? Have you kind of given the keys or the wheel to somebody else and let them drive your decisions? It's a very subtle process, but when you know who you listen to, if you know who the people are around your table that you're inviting in, that you're giving influence to, it's an incredibly important thing to know that. And as much as I've been asking you to pay attention to your inner voice, what are you saying to you and is it truthful? What about the people you're listening to and that are influencing you? Are, are they truthful? Three days later, he brings the people back. It says this in verse 13, the king answered the people harshly. All right, not off to a good start. Rejecting the advice given him by the elders, he followed the advice of the younger men and said, my father made your yoke heavy, I'll make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. He becomes a parrot of his friends. He's not the king. They are. And he won't be king for long. Verse 15, it says this. 
So the king did not listen to the people. Pretty soon the people didn't listen to the king. The guy that brought the that crowd originally went to and said, let's go talk to the, he said, let's go talk to the king. That became a king of part of the kingdom and he became a king in another kingdom and they start fighting each other and eventually it doesn't go well for anybody. And you can kind of trace it all back to this decision Rehoboam made of who he invites to the table and who he listens to. Who are you listening to? Who has a seat at your table? A couple weeks ago, we talked about how being aware of who you want to be in life someday, future you. More importantly, who God wants you to be, who he's planned for you to be, future you. When that person has a voice in your daily life, you're going to make decisions differently. Let's take the financial peace thing for an example. If you know you want to be out of debt and future you, out of debt you, is speaking into current you, you will spend and save differently. Future you needs a voice in your life. We ask this question, what would future you tell current you about the choices you're making today? Well, here's the thing about future you. As best you know who that that person should be or who God wants you to be, and you make decisions with future you in mind, where you want to be in life, the choices you're making today are determining who future you is going to be. Verse 15, so the king did not listen to the people. Who you listen to matters. The people you listen to are a preview of future you. Who you're listening to now is determining who future you is going to be. And that's either doing a lot of good or a lot of harm. You need to be wise enough to figure out which is it. And who are the people you need to invite to the table and let their voice into your life to shape who future you is going to become? Because God created you to be influenced by others. And he created you to influence others. And the reason some of those relationships in our life bring us down is sometimes they just give bad advice. His friends gave bad advice because their advice was about serving themselves, not serving others. And sometimes our friends don't just give bad advice. They model bad decisions for us. They model that. They encourage that. They celebrate that. Sometimes the people we bring to the table determine our standards, our values, and our beliefs. And those are the guideposts along the way in life that help us know, well, I'm not going to do that because it's clearly outside the boundary of the person of who God's called me to be and where I want to go in life. The most important questions you should be asking about the people at the table in your life is, who should be at the table? Who should I get advice from? Who should I listen to or who am I listening to right now? One way to think about this is if you got really good news, who would you call and tell about it. That gives some insight into who's kind of in your circle. But to think of it differently, like, if you made a big decision and you're like, I'm not so sure what someone's going to think about this, who would you look to for approval of the decision you're making? Because who you look to is a real good determiner of who future you is going to be because that's probably who you're listening to, either directly or indirectly. And the ultimate guide in this is you think about who you invite to the table is are you and are they someone who is being influenced and shaped and guided by the world or by the word? Is the person you invite to the table being shaped by God's truth and by God personally, are they listening and being guided by God himself? Because if they are, they're gonna have something to bring to the table. God can use them for his good purposes in your life. So who are you inviting to the table in your life? Proverbs 13.10, again, it's a book of wisdom. Like, here's how wisdom works. 
Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Or to say it another way, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If, if you're kind of here today with someone you spend a lot of time with, you might kind of just casually start assessing about the person who's around you if you spend time with them, like how wise they are, scale of one to ten. Walk with the wise and become wise. Companion fool suffers harm. Wise or foolish, whoever you spend time with is leading you one way or the other. Are you becoming more wise or more foolish based on who you spend time with? And let's move past the awkward chuckles and the kind of the uncomfortable with that for a minute because think about this. They're doing the same thing to you. (laughs) Influence works both ways. What if this verse isn't a warning about who you spend time with? What if this is a verse that's a warning about who you are when you walk? You walk with wisdom because the people that are around you are going to be the wise or foolish based on if you are wise or foolish. Paul said it this way. uh, Apostle Paul said, uh, bad company corrupts good character. And I always thought about that verse, basically being careful about who I'm friends with because their character is going to become my character. But that's a warning for our character. Don't be the bad character. Don't be the one that rubs off in the wrong way. Be the one that when you walk in the room, people are more wise. Your character is contagious. We had our college gathering for college students uh, on the tech campus Friday night, and we talked about that there. Like, is the room better when you walk in? Are they better off because you're at the table with them? Because you were created to influence others. And others were created to influence you. This is how you were designed by your creator. It's the law of relationship. Kind of like there's a law of gravity. If you go on a long walk off a short ledge on a tall building, the law of gravity works every time. Not some of the time you fall, all the time. That's how gravity works. It's a law of life. So is the law of relationship, the law of influence. If you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. If you walk with the fools, you'll become foolish. So pay attention to who you're walking with and pay attention to how you're walking. You have influence. And you can leverage this in your life for God's good purposes. When you invite people to the table that will influence you in the right way. I am thankful that Paul Allen said, yeah, I will travel from Toronto to Tampa to have spend a couple days, have coffee and spend a couple days together. Now, it was Canada in February, so I go into sunny Florida is like, you know, it's an easy yes. But I'm thankful for Paul Allen. And then when, I, when we were on staff together with Hockey Ministries, it was Mark Osborne and Tim Burke and Paul Allen were these guys that influenced me. There are guys like Mark Porter that's an influence like that on me now. Who, is, who are your people? Because if you'll spend some time looking across the table at them, are you better off because they're in your life? And how will you intentionally leverage that? How will you walk with the wise? How will you do life together in a way that the influence is a good thing? Let me give some practical ways you can live this out. One way is a friend of mine, uh, he told me about this thing that he did in 1985 and I thought, that is one of the most intentional ways I've heard someone try to leverage this in their life. 
His name is Mark Adams, and he's an assistant basketball coach at Texas Tech University on the men's team, and he's a, a really good defensive coach, and he runs the defense for Texas Tech. Everywhere he's been as a head coach, he's an assistant coach here, but he's been at like five or six schools as a head coach. Every school he went to had a losing record until he got there, and his record was 70%. All his teams from that point on won 70% of their games. He won a national title uh, and for the national junior college title uh, at Howard College. He got to the finals at Wayland Baptist University, lost by two points in overtime for the national NAIA basketball championship. He's won uh, 15 Coach of the Year honors. Like, he's a very successful coach. And what he would tell you is a lot of that is because of his dad. His dad was an athlete, but he wasn't a basketball player. He was primarily a boxer. His name was Tom Adams. Tom was a, ba- a, a, a boxer. He went to Texas Tech on a football scholarship. Then he transferred to Hardin-Simmons University where he played ba- football, and he was a boxer. He's in their Hall of Fame. He boxed uh, in 100 matches. He only lost eight times. He won six state championships as a boxer. He made the international boxing team. He was a very successful athlete. And a lot of who Mark is, a lot of his inner voice as a coach and as a man and as a Christian came from his dad. He hears his dad's voice in his voice, his inner voice and what becomes his outer voice. And in 1985, Tom Adams um, was a farmer in Brownfield and it was not a good year for farmers. And if you're a farmer, you know farmers, there are some years where they're good years and some very, very lean years. This was a very lean years and finances were tight. So Mark, who was a new coach, um, said, hey, dad, all the things you're telling me, it's really helped me who I am as a coach. Would you write that down and put it on paper for a Christmas gift? Would you write that down and write me a letter? And his thought was two things. One, he didn't have a lot of money. Just write me the letter. It doesn't cost anything. But also, what you tell me is really good, and this is going to be priceless wisdom that I can carry with me the rest of my life. And Mark showed me the letter. I have it right here, and he showed me earlier this year, and we were talking about it. And Tom sat down and wrote the letter in 1985. Seven pages. This is the letter. And he starts it off this way. He says, at your request, I put together the things you and I have discussed many times. This wasn't the only time Mark heard this wisdom, but he asked his dad to be intentional. And Mark leveraged this opportunity to say, would you write some of this down? And he's got seven pages of it. And he talks about everything from three basic premises that all the wisdom he speaks out comes out of. One of the most important things, he says, your life is multifaceted. There's career, there's finances, there's health, including your fitness and mental health. There's social, there's spiritual. The easiest side to let go is your spiritual life. And Tom tells his son, if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul, what good is it? Quoting Jesus. He talks about goal setting, discipline. He has a section called change of pace where he says, I learned about your new investment. Mark had just bought a new car. And he said, here's three things you need to know. Reminder, the eventual resting place for all cars is the junkyard. The bottom line is it's not how much you make, it's how much you save. And here's a lesson in economics. It's impossible to anticipate financial needs. And without savings, a person just moves from crisis to crisis. Here's another plug for Financial Peace University. (laughs) Some good insight. He talks about winning. 
mental preparation, which is a big deal for Mark. He talks about how you treat others. He said the most, he quotes somebody and says, the most important person you're ever talking to is the person right in front of you. Whether it be another player, another person on your staff, the referee, a fan, a stranger, whoever you're talking to is the most important person you talk to. He talks about being, having a mental preparation, playing defense. Mark is very known for his defense. And he wraps up the letter seven pages later and says this. If you send this to Sports Illustrated, I want the royalty. <laughs> Isn't that great? And he said, if I had the money to buy you a pair of socks, I would throw the letter away. But Mark wouldn't. Like, this letter is priceless to him. And this is stuff he all heard his dad say countless times. But he said, Dad, would you just write me this letter and put it on paper? And Tom would say, if I could afford to buy a pair of socks this year, I'd do that and just would throw this away. But Mark's held on to it. And more importantly, Mark's aware that the stuff he heard his dad say, the stuff he saw his dad do, although he, his dad titled this a lesson in do as I say, not as I do. So he's honest. Um, all of that became part of Mark's inner voice. And when Mark Adams was inducted into the um, Wayland Baptist University Hall of Fame last year, he credited his dad, and he said, I'm a better coach, a better man, a better husband, a better dad, and a better Christian because of my dad and his influence on my life. Mark leveraged that well, and maybe something you could do is go to somebody and say, I've heard you say some things that are wise. Could you put some of that down on paper for me? Would you write me a letter? Would you write a Dear Doug letter? Would you write me a letter? Like, who would you go to? Do you have someone in your life that you can see the wisdom there? And maybe a way you walk with the wise in that situation is to say, would you put some of that down? Be intentional. Leverage it. You don't have to have them write you a letter, but the question's helpful because is there someone like that in your life that's influencing you in such a way that it's changing your inner voice? I guarantee you there is, whether they're wise or foolish. Someone is speaking into their life into your life, and their voice is going to become your voice. Leverage it well. Be intentional. Find a way to invite some other voices into your life, whether it's through a letter or some other way. Invite some other voices into your life. Have somebody pull up a chair to your life, whether it be over a cup of coffee, a letter, whatever it is. Get intentional about who's around the table. Sometimes social media can be this for us. Who you follow on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is you do, if you do that, that voice that you scroll past and listen to, that's going to become part of your inner voice. If you walk with the wise, you'll grow wise, but a companion of fools will suffer, suffer harm. Who you listen to in terms of podcasts, the books you read, Fiction books. I mean, non-fiction books, not necessarily fiction books. But what you read, like, like, you can read biographies of famous people, and they can influence you. But the difference there with a podcast, with reading a book, is there's no dialogue. There's not really a substitute for that life-on-life relationship that Mark had with his dad, that I have with Paul Allen, I hope you have with some people 
that there can be an exchange and you can be known and someone can speak truth and encouragement and hope or sometimes correction into your life. There's no substitute for that. Anybody play fantasy sports, football, or better yet, hockey? Anybody? I know some of you play fantasy hockey because we're in a league together that I'm leading. (laughs) And for some of you right now, you're rolling your eyes and thinking, I don't get it. I don't get it. The key word in what you're doing is fantasy. It's not real. But it's real to us, right? Because we get to have some kind of control. Like we follow a sports team and it drives us crazy. Why are you playing that guy? Don't give him the ball. (laughs) Don't give him playing time. Don't sign that guy. This gives us a chance of control. We can't complain about those teams, our fantasy teams, because we decided who's at the table. We decided who's on the court. We decided who's on the ice. Like, it ma- like there's this appeal for those of us who do these fantasy sports that we actually get to put a team together. And the sad thing is, sometimes in my life, maybe others, I put more intentionality into who's on my fantasy team than who's across the table from me. This is the one area of life where you're the GM. You control the team. The older you get, the further you go in life, the more control you get to who you invite to the table. Who's invited to the table for you? Who are you listening to? Because that's a preview of future you. Be wise about that, or you will be, end up being foolish in the end. One of the ways we try to be intentional about that here of helping you with that is to create opportunities to connect in small groups. Whether it be studying a Bible, discussing the Sunday sermon, talking about life and helping each other grow as followers of Jesus and doing life together. And the idea of this is we believe at Live Oak that we want to connect as many as possible to Christ and community. Because it matters. Being connected to Christ. He was designed to be the primary influence in your life. For everybody. Jesus was designed, or you're designed for Jesus to be the primary influence in your life. But he also designed you to be influenced by others. I mean, think about it. Jesus had disciples, and he didn't just infuse them with what they needed. He called them to be with him for three years. And he did this life on life because he knew that's how his creation people were designed to be influenced. That supernaturally, Jesus can influence us through his Holy Spirit, but he also designed you to be influenced by others. And you will either leverage that well or leverage that poorly, and future you will be shaped because of that. Well, this is a season we call group launch where you give you an opportunity to connect in a small group. There are different types of groups. There's men's, women's, college, marrieds and mixed, Bible study classes, Financial Peace, Peace University that Brandy talked about earlier. And by going to the Live Oak uh, website, live-oak.org slash group launch, you can read about all the different group offerings and say, hey, I'm interested in this kind of, kind of group. And we will help you get a part of that group. Now, if you're interested in a marrieds or mixed group, you have an opportunity tonight to come to a mixer where a lot of new groups will be launching. All these groups are launching on February 10th, but there are some existing groups that have space where they, you could be added in these other types. The key thing is if, if this is your next step, if you're not connected to a community, this would be a great way to get a running start at it. Now, there's no guarantee that it'll be perfect, but you have a better chance. This is an open door. It's a, it's a launching pad or, or, or a, a runway that gave you a running start at building community. And it's a place where you can be influenced by the people around you and you can influence them. You can contribute and influence others. 
And there's some people that are in small groups that aren't in community. There's, there's a difference. You can just treat it as an event to attend and gather information. Or you can say this, you can be in a community and not in a small group. You can do life with people and influence each other and help each other grow as followers of Jesus. But we believe a small group is one of the best chances to give you a running start at community of doing life with others that helps shape current you to become the future you that God designed you to be. So if you're interested in being part of a small group, go to live-oak.org. There's information about this in your program, slash group launch, and there's all the different types of groups. Sign up and indicate your interest. And if you're interested in a married or mixed group, tonight's your night. The groups are starting on February 10th, but today is the day to sign up. Take that next step. The key thing is there's only one person ultimately that makes the decisions for who's going to be the influence in your life. And that's you. You're the GM of your life. You're the one who hands out the invitations of what voices you're going to listen to. How and who will you manage the influence? How will you do that this week? What's one way you're going to invite someone to the table to speak truth in your life? It may ask, be asking someone to write you a letter. It may say, hey, let's go grab coffee. It might be, I'm going to join a small group. If you don't know how you're going to do it, you're probably not going to do it. It's going to be information that if you were sitting across the table from you, you would say, do what you know to do. Just take the step. Reach out, connect, leverage that influence. But the other question, it's not just how, but it's who. Who is influencing you? Be aware of that and leverage that and invite someone to the table of your life that you know will help you grow in wisdom, to grow as a follower of Jesus, and help you navigate life as you seek to live out God's plan for your life and be the future you that God created you to be. The other voices in your life will eventually become your inner voice. Don't treat that casually. Treat it with intentionality. Let's stand for closing prayer. Next week, we're gonna conclude our Talking to Myself series and uh, finish up kind of this idea of how to leverage that, that inner voice, but we're also... It's also our Next Gen Sunday where we're talking about the importance of investing in the next generation. And next Sunday is entitled, Dear Younger Me. So I hope you will be here for that. Maybe invite someone to come with you. Let's pray together. God, thanks that you love us, that you're for us, that you are your desire. And by design, you are to be the primary influence of our life. And I pray that's true. But you also designed us to be influenced by others. And when it's working right, it's so transformational. And when it's not working right, it conforms us to something other than what you designed. God, help us to be mindful and aware of who has influence and a voice in our life. I pray you'd help us and give us the courage to invite some people to the table, to step into a circle of people, to reach out, whether it's writing, having someone write us a letter, go to coffee, or joining a small group, doing something that invites some others into our life that helps shape us to be the people you created us to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for being here. If you'd like to talk, I'll be down at the front. Until you stop breathing, until you stop bleeding, until your heart stops kicking.